Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. On today's show, we've got wheels, weave, ways, and would you spend 600 bucks on Oakley's? I don't know. Plus, special guest David Rush, co-founder of Eavesdrop, and Asif is in the home of the Singapore Sling. It's Singapore, just in case you didn't know. Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 102 of This Week in Location-Based Marketing. My name, Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv. We're recording this live. Now, this is an intergalactic episode. It is actually November 4th, Sunday night for me, roughly about 9 o'clock. But for Asif, no longer on this hemisphere. He is actually, what, it's, it's, what is it, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, Singaporean time. Is that about right, Asif? That's right, yeah. November the 5th over here. So tell me, what happens overnight, man? What happens? The future is, you know the future now. <laughs> well, I was going to give you the election results in the U.S., but, you know, we're not quite ready for that. Uh, you can so. tell me that tomorrow. Just let, give me a heads up, right? So do uh, are we, should we be expecting a whole bunch of uh, Democratic uh, voters to be moving up to Canada by that point? you got to let me know. So I just, you know, I could open up some space. But obviously, uh, Asif is not. But, but, but Springsteen's doing his best, right? He is. He is everywhere, man. God, I love them. Everywhere. <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, the latest, the book that I'm reading is actually Bruce. It's his biography, and it is incredible. It is incredible. Anyways, but you know what? I, I, somebody once told me that that guy could crap on vinyl, and I'd still like it. So, you know, you have a biased opinion, an unbiased opinion. So, listen. It's amazing to me, you know, just, uh, you know, before we get into the show, like, you know, I picked up the newspaper here this morning as I was uh, eating breakfast. And, as, and I'm reading through, and there's so much coverage, in, even here in Singapore, on the U.S. election. Wow. You know, but so much of it is, you know, I mean, they go through all the, you know, the polling and everything else and whatnot. And then there's giant picture on, the, on you know, on one section of Katy Perry with her Obama gear on <laughs> doing a concert. I mean, that, that's what people care about the most, right? It, it's, it's the celebrities and, and you know, stuff. Something for uh, for uh, for uh, whatever candidate, but uh, it's interesting. But there's a lot of coverage here. I'm surprised. Are there any celebrities except for Trump stumping for the other guy? Like for Romney, know. is it kind of like it's like you get Donald Trump and uh, for uh, Barack Obama, Clint Eastwood. Don't forget oh, him. Oh yeah, yeah. So you get uh, you get two wing nuts uh, going for the guy that guy Romney, and I'm not I'm not like I don't care. I mean I'm not voting either way. Um, but uh, and then you've got. Uh, Springsteen and every other great actor and performer uh, for Barack Obama. Yeah, tells you. I guess you are who you, you, you the company you keep, right? But that's not what we're here to talk about. See, if you were in the middle, you were in Singapore. You 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 just went like thirty eight hours on an airplane. You crossed land, sea, land, 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 sea, ocean to to arrive here. What the heck are you doing in Singapore? Well, it's uh, later this evening, uh, so it's November the 5th again over here, uh, Monday, and uh, later this evening is the official launch of the Location-Based Marketing Association in Singapore. Uh, this is our first chapter uh, in the Asian market, so it's our, it's our kind of uh, our gateway, so to speak, into, uh, into the rest of Asia, and uh, yeah, it's going to be phenomenal. There's uh, you know, a, a huge uh, sign-up uh, for tonight, uh, lots of people coming out from all parts of Different industries, financial sector, ad agencies, brands, you know, uh, location startups, um, and we've got great support. So the IDA, Singapore Economic Development uh, Group, is is backing us. Mobile Monday, Singapore is hosting this with us, um, and we've got uh, corporate support as well from Use uh, Mobile Ad Network uh, company out here, as well as WiFind, which is a uh, indoor location uh, positioning company. So. It's going to be a phenomenal event. Really excited about it, and uh, yeah, we'll uh, be more to report uh, next week. All right, well, I can't wait. I can't wait to hear about it because uh, you know the differences, obviously, that we're seeing across North America and Europe and Asia are. Uh, you know, I think that they're starting to melt. They're starting to become the same challenges that every company is having when it comes to location, and the opportunities are the same. And we're starting to see the similar companies kind of arise. And and now that you have that beachhead, the conduit to the Asian market, I can't wait to see com that kind of research being filtered through. We all know that. That mobile really was, um, I, I don't know, tested, spearheaded, uh, driven through um, through Asia, 
very early on, and it kind of filtered its way across Europe and then uh, across the ocean and into North America. And so I'm wondering if that's going to be the same way if they're advanced in the location marketing space because the populations are so massive and everybody has these devices and everybody skipped the whole uh, you know uh, landline and big screens. So really interested. I can't wait to see this. So it's a, yeah. it's a big day for you right after I sleep. It is, it is a big day. It's uh, you know it's it's but it's going to be a great day, a fun day, um, and uh, yeah, I'm sure there'll be a, a gazillion stories uh, of you know interesting companies to, that we'll be reporting on for the next seven months, uh, you know, on, on the show here. So uh, anyhow, we got a great show this week. What do we ever? Uh, again, if, if I didn't introduce myself, uh, Asif Khan from the Location Based Marketing Association, and it's always a pleasure to do this with uh, my good buddy Rob. So. Well, likewise, and yeah, it is a big show. It is. Like you've assembled some of the greatest stories that I've seen. And for once, I, we were just talking about this before, I don't think that there's a rant in me tonight. I don't think that, that, that there is a, a bad story here, one that makes me wonder what it is. I use some of these products, maybe some of the pricing of the products, is a little bit off, but I use some of these products, and I'm I'm very excited about talking about this. We've got the you know I, I'd say a, a stellar cast of five stories that Asif has curated, collated, and pushed out here. We're going to talk about that. We've also got a great guest. It's an interview that I did earlier on this week with uh, David Rush, who is the co-founder of Eavesdrop, who we featured on this show, this very show, a couple of episodes ago. Uh, he reached out. We connected. We did a long-form interview for Untether.tv. We got two acquisition uh, stories, one funding story of another company that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Look, I mean, this is happening. And then, of course, we've got a great resource of the week, which kind of encapsulates all of our funding and uh, M&A activity in one great spreadsheet. So, really, unbelievable show. Let's kick, let's get this thing going so that you can go off and get ready for your your big launch uh, tonight in, in Singapore. So Yeah, absolutely. First story, uh, you know, uh, are you a skier, Asif? Are you? I wouldn't call myself a skier. Uh, I, I have skied. I can ski. Uh, I'm not fantastic, but uh, when I'm out there, I like it. Um, so, yeah. Now, would you spend $600 on a pair of uh, goggles? I would not, uh, but but you know I have lots of friends who are uh, regular avid skiers, and I could see them doing it. So. Well, you know what? For these Oakleys, these uh, these are the Airwave Snow Oakleys, and it's our first story um, who, that feature augmented reality uh, in in the goggles. I would wear them all the time for six hundred bucks. But what are these things? They're insane. Yeah, I mean, a really cool pair of ski goggles uh, that uh, has a whole bunch of sensors built into them. So they've got. Uh, accelerometers, gyroscopes, GPS chips, Bluetooth, um, and basically what's happening is, is as you're skiing, you know, down the slopes, um, you know, it's pushing uh, real-time information into the display uh, of these goggles. So, um, you know, it's uh, it's got Prism technology, so it look, makes it feel like you're looking at a screen apparently that's 14 inches wide, um, you know, and five feet out in front of you, uh, which that's is kind of neat. It's not big, though. Um, it's augmented reality. Uh, you can hook it up to an iOS or Android device as well, uh, so you can you can do other stuff with it. But effectively, it's pushing you real-time information, like um, you know how far you've traveled down the slope, your altitude, your speed, uh, you know, all kinds of other stats. You know, jumps. It's measuring uh, you know as you as you jump uh, hills and so on. Uh, it, really kind of cool stuff. I mean, it, for me, I kind of think of it in some respects. It, it's like some of the technology we've had on the golf courses for the last little while, except that you know this is much you know much more real time, much faster uh, movement, obviously that we're tracking and and you know data that uh, you know I think could be quite useful for skiers. 
You know, I, I think so as well. Yeah, you're, you're right. The golf has had this uh, quite some time and they've had, uh, you know, uh, somewhat augmented reality uh, gadgets for many, many years before it was actually called augmented reality. So I think that this really is a pretty cool, uh, cool thing. And, and the heads up uh, display is pretty cool. But I, like 14 inch television screen five feet away is pretty small, right? Like that's that's not huge. Like, wouldn't, yeah. I suppose you don't want it to be like full panorama as you're going down the mountain, right? I, I suppose that that's not probably the best way. You don't want like a 60 inch screen three feet away from you um, while you're trying to ski. But I, I, this this is pretty cool. The only challenge I have is the $600 price point. But you know what? Uh, cool costs, right? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, and, and uh, they didn't talk about it in this release, but I'm sure there's opportunities for marketers uh you know at at the various uh you know uh, ski uh you know ski venues um to to get involved and push marketing contents and offers and uh you know to the uh you know to the uh, various establishments along the uh, way so imagine that yeah so when you're sitting there it's like uh, hey come and have a hot chocolate over here it's uh, you're getting discount codes and coupons being flown at you all the time and then i i wonder when they mix this up they match this up with like match.com right so that uh, somebody else is yeah. going down the mountain and it's like, hey, you know, she's single, he's single. And anyway, this is now it's starting to get interesting. Yeah. So, well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, so if, if you if you happen to be around like this is a uh, this is Oakley. Uh, obviously, I'm pulling up the, the store right here. Um, they're Oakley. You, you can buy them now. If you just go to Oakley.com, they're five hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety five cents. And they're actually um, available in this, which is the um, I don't even know what color this is. White factory, and then the gunmetal iridium, which are pretty cool. They're black and, and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, Oakley. Man, augmented reality. I like it. Gadget. And, and the thing that they do here, we didn't even talk about this, is that there's a, a wristband that is attached to this, and that's where you control it through an iOS or an Android device. Pretty cool. Very cool. And if you guys, so if somebody out there buys these, please, you know, I mean, we won't use your real name because uh, you spent $600 on a pair of goggles. But if you're out there and you bought them, let us know. Uh, and if you're using them, let us know this, this season. Anytime this season, we'd love to hear from you. And if you, and if this is the first time you've heard about them, let us know as well. All right. Second story. So uh, here here's a chain, a massive chain. Uh, called uh, the Marriott, Marriott Chains, obviously. And they are working with this company called Check-In for Good, which is a, I, I love this idea, right? Where, you know, it's not about, it's not about uh, ego anymore. It's actually about checking in for charity. Talk about this. This is, this is a, this is a good idea. This is pure. Yeah, this is a great idea. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of the, uh, you know, my latest sort of, uh, you know, presentation deck when I go out and talk to retailers and brands uh, these days is, and I talk about trends on how location is being, is being used. One of the things that I talk about all the time now is this ability to tie in check-in data to, you know, charitable uh, giving. And uh, it, it's certainly a trend uh, for, 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 the, for this year uh, that's coming. And, you know, here's a platform called Check-In for Good, um, uh, run by uh, a guy, uh, one of the founders is a guy named Rob Katz. And uh, so Marriott's doing this, and effectively, you know, there's nothing really crazy unique about it. It's just that, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, jumping on the back of what consumers uh, already like to do, which is support great causes. And, uh, and so Marriott's, you know, getting behind this and saying, hey, you know, we want to do this. We want to give uh, people uh, the ability to support uh, in this case, uh, they're, they're testing this in Raleigh-Durham at uh, the Marriott Research Triangle Park. Uh, for every check-in, uh, Marriott donates $2 to the Durham uh, Rescue Mission. Um, and then, you know, the check-in is also tied to a free appetizer or dessert at, uh, at the restaurant that's, uh, that's associated with that hotel. So it's kind of win-win for everybody. Um, you know, we talked, uh, you know, I don't know, a few weeks back about uh, Saucony, uh, the shoe company, and their app. Uh, you know where you know runners basically could support uh, local causes and Saucony donating money to fight obesity. Um, you know with local charities based on where those runners are. We talked you know a couple months ago about uh, the partnership between Five Guys and Place Punch and Feeding America. Um, you know same kind of thing with Kraft uh, supporting that. So th you know it's definitely a trend. You know consumers love to get involved in charity causes. They're passionate about something. And, you know, what we see here is a brand like Marriott jumping on it and saying, yeah, we recognize that, you know, and we want to marry the, you know, what's going on with check-ins with uh, supporting good causes. 
Well, you know what? It makes it it makes it so simple. And you think about things like uh, what just happened with uh, Sandy, this uh, massive storm. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, this massive storm uh, that that hit uh, New Jersey, and New York, and um, and you know uh, uh, the a big thing around this was obviously the uh, the text text to donate. And um, but you think about something like this is that you can now check in to donate and uh, and check in to contribute. And instead of ten dollars to the SMS, it might be two bucks, but you might get a few more people. Uh, generate interest like this. So I expect to see this kind of stuff really flourish. And it surprises me that somebody like uh, Foursquare, a company like Foursquare, didn't jump onto something like this a little bit faster for charitable donations. Uh, you know, I would expect these guys to be on it. But uh, but I like this. Check in for good. If you're interested in those guys, go to checkinforgood.com. I'll just pull it up on the screen here for those of you who are watching. <clears throat> and you'll find out a great deal of information about what they do and, and who they are. And I, I salute the Marriott for doing that. Really. Very cool, awesome. Two yeah. great stories. Six hundred bucks. That's the uh, y you know the ego in you that are going to spend six hundred dollars on a pair of Oakleys, um, and then you can go and feel better by checking in at a Marriott and donate two dollars. Right. That seems about right. Yeah. All right. Third story. Here is a, a company. Now I have interviewed um, the founder of getaround.com, uh, Sam Zaid, and uh, for Untether.tv. And uh, here is a competitor. It's a very competitive market, but here's another competitor that has just walked into this industry, in into this space. Uh, same San Francisco-based company. This is a company called Wheels. It's peer-to-peer -peer car sharing. Um, this is, uh, you know, I, I we've talked about this many times before. I love the concept of excess inventory and utilizing excess inventory when, you know, they say that the car is idle, what, 21 hours a day? Might as well make money off it instead of it costing you money. This is Julie. Julie needs to get away sometimes to run errands, go shopping, or to head to the beach with her friends. But she can't because she doesn't have a car. This is Dave. Dave, on the other hand, has a car. He can go wherever he wants, whenever he wants, which is great. But while the car sits idle, it costs Dave a ton of money between insurance, gas, maintenance, keeping it clean for the ladies, and so on. So basically, Julie and Dave are both stuck. But what if we could connect these two? What if there was some simple, reliable, smarter way to get Julie the car she needs and Dave the cash he needs? Well, now there is with Wheels. Wheels connects people like Dave, who have a car, to people in his network like Julie, who need to borrow one. And instead of Dave's car just sitting there costing him money, it can actually make him money and pay for itself. It's super simple. If you own a car like Dave, we'll come install the equipment you need to turn that car into cash for free. And now when Julie needs a car, she just checks the Wheels app, finds the nearest car, and makes a quick reservation. So with just a few minutes and her smartphone, she's on her way. And it's not just plain old normal cars either. Julie can get any kind of car for any kind of occasion, all with the same simple system. And once she's on the road, Wheels takes it to another level for Dave and Julie with a million dollar insurance policy and 24 seven roadside assistance and support. Finally, Julie gets the ride she needs and Dave puts that lazy car of his to work. It's car sharing the way it should be. Get the ride you need at wheels.com and go. Yeah, no, I think this is a, you know, this is a hot market right now, peer-to-peer, -peer, uh, you know, renting of anything that's sitting around, you know, not just in the car business, you know, where you've got get around and relay rides, but, you know, you know, even job marketplaces we talked about in the past, like Zarly and TaskRabbit and you know, uh, uh, and other services where, you know, you've got a pair of skis lying around for guys who don't ski regularly, or maybe you got a pair of those Oakley uh, augmented reality goggles because you ski once a year and you can rent those out to somebody else. Uh, now, I'd rent them for you know, 10 bucks. This is the kind of thing where it makes sense. What's interesting about Wheels, two, two points to make on this. Uh, we, so Wheels is, uh, you know, they raised a whack of money uh, last uh, earlier in the year, $13.7 bucks from Zipcar. Okay, so these guys are funded by Zipcar, uh, first of all. Second of all, they're, they're trying to solve a bit of the friction in the, in, the, in the system around how these services work. So, you know, th there's one thing about, you know, arranging through, you know, a service, whether it's get around relay rides or wheels, to rent a car from, you know, another peer. So this is peer-to-peer -peer we're talking about. That's fine. But, you know, one of the challenges that has uh, has slowed this down in some respects is, 
the need to actually meet up with the person to exchange keys and all that kind of stuff. And so what Wheels has said is, is look, you know, we're, we're trying to solve that part of the problem. Uh, and that's what makes us a little bit different. So they're actually installed hardware in the uh, in the cars um, called drive boxes. And uh, and so when when you arrange to rent a car, basically, um, you know, there, there's no keys required. You, you basically unlock it, unlock the car via the smartphone that you've rented it with, and then away you go. Um, so so it's kind of interesting uh, that they're they're using a hardware uh, solution in parallel with the you know, sort of the booking engine um, uh, aspect of this to, to, to make this happen. Yeah, you know, one of the things that, uh, so I, I know Sam, uh, he's an Ottawa guy that uh, moved to California to go and uh, actually <laughs> pursue this this company called Get Around. And uh, I, I don't mean to diminish wheels because that's what the story is about. And if you're interested in going, I go to W-H-E-E-L-Z or Z dot com, whatever country you are in. Um, but get around does do that. Uh, I, I know the engineer uh, that actually built the box that allows you to go through and, and start a car without having to, you know, uh, go through the logistics the same way that uh, that they they detail in here. There's not much of a differentiation between these two companies, other than uh, you know they're in the same cities, they're offering the same services, they're offering the same capabilities. So this is really the big thing is that. It's a big enough world, and inside of North America and inside of the United States, that there are going to be more than one of these companies. And 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 I like personally, you know, I love Get Around, I love Wheels, I love this technology, but I love it when it's integrated. So whoever's integrated with Ford Sync, whoever's integrated with OnStar, um, which I think there is, it's the other company that's integrated with OnStar, right? Um, yes. And so for, for uh, you know, now I've lost their, their name, but uh, I, I think that for the companies that are integrated with the systems like that, like Ford Sync and OnStar, I think that there's a competitive advantage simply because you really can then go in there without a key. And you can go in there without even hooking it up, and you can go in there, there's security, there's all those things that are already built into these systems. So, but I, I you know, there is no differentiator. Now, now the differentiator right here is the number of cars available and the type of cars available. So I think that that's one of the things. Yeah. So Relay Rides is the company that is a, is a, is tied in with the OnStar now. So, but pretty right. cool. I love this kind of stuff. This is what mobile is all about: convenience. Forget keys. Yeah. You know, and it's all about leveraging assets that are around yeah. you. Right. I mean, that's where the location piece comes in. And it's uh, you know the, the reality is is there's a lot of unused inventory sitting around, if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um, in, in all forms, whether it's cars or uh, or bikes or, or you know. Augmented reality ski goggles. Exactly, or uh, or, or restaurants. You know, it's all there. But uh, anyhow, so uh, Wheels um, previously raised thirteen point eight million from Zipcar, and uh, in this market, and going to lock up some territory. I love that play by Zipcar. I love that play by Zipcar. You know, keeping mm -hmm. their business over here, and then innovate, innovating by investing in in a company like Wheels. So go to w h e e l z or z dot com. All right, our uh, fourth story. And if you're interested in Get Around, just go to getaround.com. Uh, the same thing if you're interested in uh, Relay Rides, just go to relayrides.com. And there's a couple of others, of course. And if uh, we've missed any, just leave them in the comments where you find this podcast, this episode. Fourth story, uh, I, I, you know what? I, I, I have tried and tried and tried, and it's still installed on my iPhone to use Waze, W-A-Z-E, which is the, um, the open source... Uh, real-time uh, navigation GPS com uh, application for smartphones, but and I, I I'm trying to like it. I like it a lot now that I actually and I actually charge my iPhone inside of my car. Um, but they have partnered with this company called Lumata out of Italy uh, for an exclusive what advertising deal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so so Waze, you know, they they've done a good job uh, in North America, you know, building a. Uh, you know, user base. Um, you know, we're talking about navigation, real-time traffic alerts. Um, we we, we talked about these guys. I don't know, maybe six, five, six months ago uh, in the summer, uh, they had announced an interesting partnership with uh, with gas stations. If you recall, we talked about that, and you know, the ability to find uh, you know cheapest gas prices uh, based on where you were and location and all that kind of stuff, which is really cool. So now here, here they are, um, you know, growing their international base and uh, partnering with this company called Lumata, L-U-M-A-T-A, in Italy. Uh, it's an exclusive around the advertising opportunity uh, for them. So according to this, Waze has uh, 2 million users in Italy already, uh, 28 million worldwide. Uh, so, so, you know, a significant user base uh, in the Italian market. 
And uh, effectively, you know, their uh, Lumata is going to help them monetize uh, this platform in Italy. So uh, it's exclusive. Uh, any advertiser that wants to, you know, reach a, one of those two million people on the Waste platform uh, can uh, can talk to Lumata, and uh, you know, there's an opportunity for you to to do some uh, branded advertising. It's funny. Two million is is a substantial number for a country like Italy to have that many people using Waze in Italy. I, I wonder why that is. I'm 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 intrigued now. Uh, because out of the 28 million users, two million inside of uh, inside of one country like that, and and these guys are spread out globally. So, very cool. You can find out about Waze yeah. at Waze.com, or you can go. Obviously, uh, Lumata is at Lumata.com, and I've shown both. If you are watching these episodes, uh, this episode in, in video, this is this is a good deal. This is uh, you know an exclusive like that. Um, two million people uh, as an audience, I think, is is an incredible number. And and uh, for me, uh, I like this. This makes sense. And you know what? I have to thank um, the the. Uh, I found this article. You know where I found this article, Asif? Where's that? I found this article on our syndication partner, GPS Business News. Oh, there you Look go. Look at that. Yes. And by the way, we love GPS Business News. Um, we're very happy to uh, have partnered with them, and so every week uh, you can get this podcast in in the European market if that's where you are. Uh, well, I guess you can get it anywhere, but uh, in particular in the European market where GPS Business News is based out of France, uh, have picked this up, and, and we really appreciate them supporting uh, the show. Yeah, so. well, I found that. I found two stories on their website, so we'll, we'll come to another one in a little while, and I'll be sure to point that out as well. So it's cool. Waze uh, partnering with Lumata. Uh, this is a big deal. Maybe this company is uh, you know 20 million users going somewhere. Okay, our last story, fifth story. Here is a, uh, you know, we've talked about ISIS quite a bit. Uh, they've recently kind of gone out in a, a cautious format, uh, ISIS has. And this is that, uh, uh, the what is it? ISIS is the bringing together of massive organizations in order to be able to facilitate the commerce platform, mobile commerce. Um, and uh, here's Project Oscar, uh, which we talked about a while ago. Um, which is basically, which is three of the largest carriers in the UK coming together to, they originally were going to do what? Commerce as well, mobile commerce, but they've kind of shifted a little bit, haven't they, with the launch of Weave? Yeah, this is an interesting story. I mean, you know, Project Oscar is something I've been following for quite a while. Uh, it's it's a partnership between, uh, you know, or joint venture, I guess, between three of the uh, the biggest uh, brands uh, carriers uh, in the UK market. So it's Vodafone, uh, UK Telefonica, um, with uh, with O2, and then everything everywhere, uh, all coming together uh, to form this uh, this consortium play around what up until now has been a uh, you know a, a mobile wallet uh, you know combined mobile wallet offering that hits um, you know eighty percent of the uh, mobile subscriber base in the UK when all those carriers come together. So. Significant, significant coverage. Uh, what's interesting is, is they came out this week and they've announced that Project Oscar, which is what it's been known as up until now, has been uh, rebranded. It's now called Weave, W-E-V-E. -E. Um, and uh, interestingly enough, they've they've basically said, from from what, everything I can tell, that the focus of Weave now is going to be marketing and advertising opportunities, uh, leveraging, you know, the, the 80 percent uh, you know, subscriber base that the collective has, uh, you know, all around pushing location-based, you know, offers and deals and, and content, uh, and less so on the payments uh, opportunity. And I think that's partly because, um, you, you know, the, the carriers themselves that are part of this consortium already have, uh, you know, their own payments initiatives underway that they've been working on anyways in parallel with what was going on with Oscar. So, uh, you know, everything everywhere uh, has, you know, a payments initiative. They have relationships with MasterCard. They have stuff going on. We've talked about that in the past. O2 obviously has been very active with Priority Moments. Um, you know, so there's lots going on over here. And so it sort of makes sense to me that, um, you know, uh, the opportunity here is really around marketing, uh, mobile marketing, um, and less so on mobile payments. I'm not saying they're not doing any mobile payments, but the real opportunity is, is to reach 80% of the customer base in the UK. Yeah, you know, I wonder how much this has to do with three, the other, the, the only one that they didn't ask to the dance, um, threatening to, uh, you know, basically, I know that they tried to block the efforts to go and and, uh, and put these guys together. Uh, and I know that they were thrown out. They, they got regulatory um, 
Uh, so we've yeah. got regulatory approval to be able to do this. But I wonder how much of this is, you know what, uh, I, I like this idea, but I wonder if this is just a, a little bit of a first step into this. Like, you know, get that marketing ball rolling with 80% with of the UK uh, mobile population and then start to turn on commerce when it makes sense to turn on commerce as a unified front. Um, but I wonder, I, I feel bad for three, just, you know, the, the guy that didn't get asked to the dance. And then he got spiteful and went to the regulatory board. And um, but you know what, antitrust. This is an antitrust play. But when you get three big companies like that who can actually now sway everything, um, this is this is a big challenge. And uh, we we have that in Canada as well with the, with the big three. But I don't think that they would ever get together and talk about it like they are doing it right now, would they? Can you manage your? I I don't think no. so. I mean, I you know I think uh, especially Rogers. You know they've been. You know, on their on their own, rolling out their own payment strategy. Uh, there's lots going on around this in Canada. Yeah. Uh, RBC announced uh, earlier this week, uh, Royal Bank of Canada for for the international listeners, uh, that they're launching their own mobile wallet uh, initiative uh, this uh, this week. So uh, there's plenty going on. Uh, I think it's difficult, uh, but you know, I'm glad to see that you know. At least in some markets, carriers can get along and and, uh, and make things happen. So. Well, you know, uh, there's there is a uh, this is this is where it gets a little bit interesting, and, and I know this is our last story, and, and it's it's probably uh, appropriate, but the whole mobile wallet concept here, where everybody getting into the mobile wallet piece. Um, there's a great article that I I'm tr desperately trying to find right now. It's on GigaOM about listen, this is. Um, the, the challenge with the mobile wallet, and we've talked about it here quite often in mobile payment, is that there are so many offerings, so many different companies getting involved, so many big companies getting involved. RBC, Rogers is applying to be a bank, and this is just in Canada. And then you've got things like Weave, you've got Isis, you've got Google Wallet, you've got blah, 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 blah. And you've got 47 wallets that you can be carrying in, depending on who you are banking with and who you want to spend money with. And a great article on Gigom about, uh, listen, you know, this is a challenge. It's going to get a far worse before it actually gets adopted. And at some point over the next couple of years, we're going to start to see some fallout from this where um, they're going to have to either work together or they're going to have to go away. And I think that that's what we're starting to see. No. Oh, yeah, I forgot Square, that little company called Square. Yeah, Square. Uh, I love Square. Love love those guys. Um, you know, and even this week, too, you know, again, I don't want to bring, bring another story into the mix, but just, just to kind of wrap that up. You know, th there's so much intersection and overlap in this in this mobile wallet space. So one of the things that happened this week as well is Google, uh, with their wallet, came out and said they're also launching uh, a card. Yeah. They're launching a physical, physical card, credit card. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, physical Google Wallet card that goes along with the mobile. I mean, so so, you know, they understand the mobile wallet's going to take a while as a pure mobile thing to take off. So you know, let's go into the card business as well. So. Anyhow, yeah. lots of confusion, lots going on, but uh, good good stuff going on with Weave. Um, and uh, you know, if you're a retailer, your brand, there's probably a good marketing opportunity. Oh man, boy, oh boy, oh boy! As long as they keep the prices democratic, right? Just because they own that eighty percent of the market, they have to make sure that they cannot start to in charge more than the average other um, vehicle to get to those customers. That's where you start to think like eighty percent market is is dominant. And and if I was antitrust legislation or legislators, I would be looking at this very closely. I know that they they threw it out the first time, but you know what? Who knows what happens when they start to actually implement? So very cool. So we we had stories from Oakley. It's going to cost you 600 bucks for a pair of goggles that do augmented reality. They can actually tell you the temperature outside. It's always cold when you're skiing. Um, we got uh, Marriott's check working with uh, Check-In for Good, uh, and I think that that's, that's one of the best stories that we've got here. Obviously, we've got Wheels, a peer-to-peer -peer car sharing service that, that is competitive with a number of other peer-to-peer uh, -peer car sharing services that are out there. Uh, Waze, working with Lumata. And, of course, our last one, which was Weave, uh, Project Oscar becoming Weave and actually launching it. Um, very cool. Awesome stories. International flavor, international flair. love the fact that this is just not a North American-focused uh, show. I love it. Love it. In fact, yeah, more outside than inside. How's that? There you go. If we missed a story there, if you disagree or agree with anything that we've said in those stories, please reach out on tether at gmail.com or asif at the lbma.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'd love to know if you guys are, you know, if we're hitting the right stories with these guys. Feedback has been incredible so far. Keep it coming. We really, really, really appreciate it. I think we should just do one show where it's just all reader feedback. That's, that's, that's what I think. What do you think? I like it. So get up, keep them coming in. Keep them coming in. Um, great, great job on those stories, Asif. In travel, in transit, still manages to impress, right? God, I love that. All right. All right, so listen. And we got a great guest. 
We do. I, uh, you, you know, a couple of episodes ago, I think uh, 90, episode number 98, we talked about a company called Eavesdrop. That's E-V-Z-D-R-O-P.com. And um, I reached out because I'm fascinated by these guys. Uh, you know, we thought that they were uh, 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 a very interesting company. We love the idea of, uh, you know, like the broadcasters of the world, leaving, leaving your message, leaving your mark. They do this called a drop. You leave your mark uh, on a location. So I reached out to them and I managed to get David Rush, who's the co-founder of uh, eavesdrop to come onto the show and uh, and spend a, a great amount of time I'm only going to show you about six or seven minutes of that interview and this is this is a it's a brand new interview it's up on untether.tv right now we're going to be talking about uh, really about what eavesdrop is he talks about the interest graph or interest network instead of the social graph and we're going to talk about what the interest network is and then we're going to Really talk about the inspiration for the company, why he built the company, or why he decided to start the company. Uh, the whole interview is stellar. It talks. We go into a little bit more business than actually on the location space, which is, uh, you know, a wide swath about, you know, how he managed to, you know, do his work where he was currently working, and then transition into uh, running Eavesdrop full time. How they raised money, how they did their beta, how they did their trials, all these kind of things. But this is about uh, seven minutes of him talking about, hey. What is Eavesdrop? What is the interest network? And what was the inspiration for starting this company? So basically, where were the holes that he saw that allowed him to do this? So here is David Rush from Eavesdrop. Without further ado, I'm going to bring him in here. David, welcome. Thank you for doing this. Thank you, Rob. Appreciate it. Good to be here. Yes. Well, it's great to have you here. You know, uh, I'm just trying to think back if we said anything that was negative about Eavesdrop on that podcast. I don't think we did. Um, it was pretty positive. I appreciate well, it. <laughs> we we are uh, avid supporters of the location-based marketing world, and you know we were really uh, actually enchanted by what you guys were doing, focusing on the location as opposed to focusing on the person. So why don't you, for those people who have not heard what Eavesdrop is, who didn't watch that episode, um, tell us about your Chicago-based startup. Sure, absolutely. Thanks. Uh, yeah, so we are a, a real-time location-based interest network, and essentially what we've done is we've we've taken place and used that as our interest graph, and that's why we call it an interest network. Place is the common connection point between the people in our community, and those are people that may know each other, but most likely don't know each other. Um, what's unique about that, though, is those people that are standing in a specific place at a given moment in time have an exclusive voice of insight that's authentic, that's credible, that will be useful and or valuable to those people that are listening to places. So rather than follow a conversation or follow a person like you do on Twitter, you actually follow places um, on eavesdrop. And we, we call it listening to places. We're playing off of our brand, but it's also a listening platform um, for not only our community, but for those businesses that are intent on understanding the real-time emotions and uh, opinions of people in their particular place. So you guys, I mean, it's quite a bit. I love that. I love the concept of interest network, right? Everybody talks about an interest graph, but you're talking about a little bit of, uh, of an interest network. Can you, can, you, can you give us a little bit of a deeper definition of how you guys see that? I know that you, you described it through your business, but an interest network is, is as you said, it's not about the people that you know. It's about the places that you frequent, right? Yeah, and the way in which you know our micro insights are delivered are through the place. So you add places to your feed, um, whether that's Soldier Field, whether that's Lululemon or Starbucks or whatever the place is, that's what you're listening to. And you're listening to the exclusive voice, again, of those people that are there at a moment in time. And so that's why it's really an interest network. Um, again, a social network is you know traditionally friends or people that you know. And, and what we're really creating is, is more of this network where – um, we all can be connected by, by places of interest to us or places we may not even know about. So within the app, um, we bring uh, insights to people um, through one of the functions called Radar where people can um, see what's happening in real time. Uh, and that can be a real-time promotion. It can be uh, uh, anything happening in that particular place at any given time. So, I mean, is it is it fair to say that... People can actually connect, though. So if I if I like a restaurant or if I like a venue, for example, or location, and and uh, I keep seeing the same people, uh, you know, uh, that that are there every day or every second day, every third day, uh, does it does eavesdrop allow me to re actually reach out to them and 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 tap them and touch them and not, not literally, but talk to them about that location, get more details about it in real time. Uh, at this point in time, you, we're not connecting people. Um, we do have in our backlog some ideas on how we might do that. 
Um, so we don't need to share all the details of that right now. We do recognize that people um, do like to follow people on Twitter, and they might find their insights funny or provocative, and there may be you know a reason to be following them. But because we're fo so focused on place right now, what we really want to showcase is those insights from place, and we also want to sort of help the places showcase their attributes. So <clears throat> one of the um, functions we're building into this next version of our app is to include uh, the Twitter handle for every uh, business uh, when a particular drop gets tweeted, uh, those businesses will be profiled so that they can see that it was coming from someone that was verifiably in their store and they'll uh, look at that data probably a little bit differently than they might from somebody that just might have tweeted it otherwise. Yeah, I mean, location, you really do want to uh, make sure some kind of validation, something that that, uh, that puts uh, a person who is actually in the spot or was in the location ahead. I mean, it, it's it's one thing to find new customers. It's another thing to bring existing customers back. And, and, and you know, I, it'd be very interesting to see how you how do you categorize them or how you how you prioritize those guys. Uh, but that's I know it's a coming feature. Um, I, I want to take a step back a little bit because I, I want to understand the process by which you got here. Um, this company, you launched the app about a month ago, so that would have been in September of 2012, right? Correct. So w Correct. walk me back to the very, like how did you end up starting and and, and running Eavesdrop? Where, where does that come from? Yeah, so you know the idea, the inspiration really came last fall, uh, late last fall, um, and a couple things you know were sort of happening simultaneously. One is, um, you know, I would consider myself, you know, a, a, pretty decent social media user but but you know not actively and one of the reasons uh, or not as active as some people is one of the reasons why all the data coming at me from every direction all of it didn't make sense uh, I would read about you know what a high school friend you know had for dinner that night at home and I would scratch my head and wonder what I just read um, but I also recognized the, the tremendous value in knowing what that stranger thought of the sea bass special at the restaurant that I was going to in about an hour um, so to me, that was that was very interesting, and I didn't necessarily get that insight from traditional review sites, nor did I get that from um, other places because it wasn't real time and it wasn't you know easily discovered. Even if I were to you know sort of you know uh, look at a hashtag and and follow a, a certain conversation, it may not give me that real time insight that I was looking for. Um, in concert with that, I, I had a, a, an experience myself. I, I literally you know was at a restaurant having. Uh, a special uh, that was just out of this world and uh, I wasn't about to go home and write a long review about it but I knew that if I was able to broadcast that to um, an unlimited number of people that were coming to that restaurant that night there could be a lot of value in that and so um, then the process began uh, you know did a lot of research on what was working what wasn't working with existing platforms um, understood what the you know unmet business needs were what the unmet consumer needs were uh, recognized, um, you know, some of the opportunities um, with the businesses, uh, and uh, and at that point in time, you know, uh, you know, my partner and I um, continued to uh, do our due diligence to understand kind of kind of what we needed to do to execute this, and and uh, you know, we started developing you know our brand um, just after the first of of the year, uh, and. Uh, uh, you know, really kicked things off in, in late February, the development of this. And, and you know, that led us to, uh, to where we're at right now. Well, that was, uh, that was David Rush, who is the co-founder of Eavesdrop. Really appreciate him doing this. Really love the fact that we can get these guys on and, and do long-form interviews on Untether.tv. And uh, if you so are so inclined, this episode is about an hour long, which they typically are on Untether.tv. And it's entitled, uh, How Eavesdrop... Um, uses the interest network to drive footfall for their customers. And it is up there right now. It is on the front page. Go and grab it while it's free because in a week or so, it'll be behind a, a membership wall and you will not be able to listen to it. And trust me, it is worthwhile. Uh, great lessons learned from David on that. So really appreciate David for doing that. I can't believe how quickly we can turn these things around. What about you, Asif? No, it's uh, you know it's it's amazing uh, you know when when we're able to kind of you know find these great companies these great stories out there and then uh, you know actually engage with these uh, these founders and CEOs and, and and get you know more in depth with it and a good example of that is uh, you know we, we just last week we talked about boxed code in uh, in Australia and uh, and um, you know De uh, Dean Heinemann, who's uh, the founder of Boxed Code uh, watched the show. And, uh, and 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 wrote us this phenomenal note, um, you know, basically uh, 
kind of thanking us for, for our comments and coverage and, uh, and gave, gave a lot more insight. So I look forward to having, uh, you know, thank Dean for that, first of all. And uh, we look forward to having uh, uh, him on the show at some point in the future as well. So. Yeah, and I, I going through that email, it's just, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, I love the fact that he, he, uh, he acknowledges a bunch of the things that we talked about. He also challenges me on a bunch of the things that I talked about. And hey, Dean, if you're listening, bring it. Bring it, pal. I can't wait to mm-hmm. talk to you about this. I think it's going to be great. All right. So uh, again, right. we thank uh, we thank David uh, Rush from uh, from Eavesdrop for for dropping by, uh, and Dean, thank you for your comments about our comments on Boxstone and, and Boxcode, and we can't uh, we look forward to having you on the show. So come on. All right. Let's we're going to jump into the funding. Uh, only one funding stories, two acquisitions, and uh, these aren't uh, these aren't sizable acquisitions. But uh, I think this all rolls into this. So we got our funding and acquisition, and then we've got our resource of the week, which is uh, around funding uh, in this space. So let's start. Uh, this company called Localbox, a New York-based company that seems to have just accelerated out of nowhere, raised a little bit of money a couple of weeks ago, and <laughs> didn't take long for them to go out and pick up their first company. Did it, Asif? Not at all. Uh, so these guys raised seven uh, seven point four million uh, just a few weeks ago, and so they've gone out and acquired Postling. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think this is a, this is a great combination of companies. Uh, you know, what we're talking about here is social media marketing dashboards uh, for for small businesses. So the um, Postling uh, uh, system they had about twenty thousand small businesses on this platform. You know, and for small businesses in particular, I would say. You know, you know, managing all the social channels and the conversation that's going on around your business uh, is something that takes a lot of time. And uh, you know, especially when you're when you don't have a lot of staffing, um, you know, you're challenged in terms of people resources. Um, you know, you need tools to can help kind of put it all in one place and, and aggregate that information. So whether it's you know, um, you know, business directories or reporting or keywords search or local search optimization and kind of putting all that in one place. Um, that's effectively what Postling was doing, and so now Localbox uh, has that. Um, they've integrated already um, the Postling stuff into their uh, into the Localbox platform uh, and released a new version 3.0. Um, so, so it's all there. It's done already. So uh, obviously, this was something that was already in the works. It's not a uh, you know, just a fly-by-night thing that they uh, just decided to do. So uh, you're, you're right. This is this is absolutely two companies that complement each other extremely well, focusing on the same market and uh, focusing on the same price point. Focusing uh, probably have duplicate customers and uh, each one working so closely together that that this was a natural fit. And uh, yeah, what can you say? Local Vox and and Postling um, getting together is probably a match made in heaven. Good on them, right? I, I like this. Yeah, I like this. Yeah. So if you're interested in LocalVox, it's uh, localvox.com. If you are interested in understanding what Postling was doing or is doing, it's postling.com, P-O-S-T-L-I-N-G.com. Go check them out. And you know what? I don't know if there was a number on this. Let me just check John's website. Oh, he doesn't have it on it yet. Wow. He doesn't have it on there. So we don't know what – did did we have a number on this? I didn't see one, no. Okay. Well, if they raise seven and a half million dollars, and Local Vox has only raised, uh, what have they raised a total of? By now, seven point four million dollars. So, I, you know, it was probably not more than that. Why don't we? We. That's probably a good guess. That's probably a good guess. Yeah, yeah. Smart guy over here. You've seen the future, Asif. You might know. I just like <laughs> I'm only I'm in the past here. Yeah, I'm hours ahead of you. So anyhow, I'm in the past. All right. Our uh, second story is around a company that we covered a couple of weeks ago, like maybe episode 98, episode 99, this company called Perk, and they raised a little bit of money. Now, this is not their first round that they've raised, but uh, why don't you remind people what Perk is, and let's talk about this this little raise that they've done. Well, I mean, Perk, Perk is, uh, so $1.2 million in this round, uh, you know, they, they've been uh, out there for a while. Uh, they're effectively trying to replace the, uh, the loyalty uh, systems in a lot of uh, retailers and small businesses, you know, punch card type of model. Um, and, uh, you know, we've, we've talked about these guys a few times. Uh, you know, when they raised capital, uh, their entry into the Asian market recently. Uh, in fact, uh, I think somebody from Perk is coming to the uh, Singapore launch tonight, so I'm looking forward to, to meeting with them. Um, but um, the interesting thing here is is that uh, th- this, this most recent announcement, um, along with the funding, is, is that they're going low-tech. Uh, uh, in that, um, you know, while everybody's out there talking about NFC, 
they're talking about text messaging uh, now, and and so they've launched a a new uh, a new platform, uh, on, well, a new functionality on top of Perk that is focused on SMS uh, based messaging, um, and so effectively, what happens here is. Uh, you know, you sign up with Perk. You pay fifty bucks a month as a merchant. Uh, they issue you an Android tablet um, uh, that you place on your on your counter, and then uh, consumers come in. They scan a a, a barcode uh, using the Perk application on their uh, iOS or Android phone, and then uh, you can uh, send a text message uh, to their screen uh, around that uh, redemption and reminders and and, and so on. So uh, it, it's interesting. It, you know, you I think you know Rob. I'm a huge proponent of text, um, location-based text messaging because, you know, it, it reaches everybody. It's not only about smartphones, it's all phones, um, you know, are, are capable of that. With the geofencing technology we have out there today, I think, you know, text is, uh, is going to see a renaissance. It's already much more prevalent in Europe and uh, Asia. Uh, and it's it's on its way back in, in North America as well. Yeah, you know, a lot of people uh, were trying to uh, have been facing that challenge, right? When you've you've launched apps and you got complicated and you built an app and then you wanted to figure out how to communicate with with the person who downloaded your app because you know the relationship was obfuscated mostly by Apple and um, and the App Store. So you know, companies like Urban Airship arrived where it was a you know push technology that allowed you to push notification and interaction. And really, what they're trying to do is mimic this thing called SMS and uh, and uh, MMS. And and we we both know Tommy Ahonen as the uh, as the biggest biggest cheerleader of SMS. And and you know everybody thought that this this technology or this transport mechanism was dead simply because it was such a a low tech version. I can't believe like SMS is low tech, but a low tech version of, of communicating. And uh, and so companies like Urban Airship are in app, and then you've got companies that are leveraging real SMS. And I love what Perk is doing as well. SMS is not a, 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 a dying technology. In fact, it is an accelerating technology. And when you add location, you add an ability to create to reach out to any device anywhere. And then if you put a commerce layer on top of that uh, and a loyalty layer on top of that, man, it, it just makes sense to me. Uh, it just does. And that's why I like this. I'm so surprised these guys have only raised three, $3.2 million uh, for what they're doing because it's like loyalty for the rest of us, right? Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah absolutely. So anyhow, I think this is, you know, yet another good move by Perk. I'm a big, I'm a big fan. Yeah. So, the, uh, so go to, I think they're on the right track. So. Go to. Perk, P-I-R-Q dot com if you're interested in them. They Small raise, $1.2 million, but that's it. You know, one of the things uh, that uh, David Rush, the co-founder of Eavesdrop, said in this interview was we talked about him raising money. And he said, you know what? He never wanted to raise too much, more than he needed. And that's what I think uh, I like about Perk is that these small investments really keep you hungry, really keep you focused, really keep you centered on the good ideas and force you to focus on the ideas that are going to make money. So Perk raising $1.2 million, PIRQ.com. All right, our last story here under the funding and acquisition space is uh, Ublocks acquires a company called Fast Track. Now, this is a technical play. This is a semiconductor company that is is uh, buying. Ublocks uh, is a semiconductor company that has bought uh, Fast Tracks. Uh, Details on this. I don't. I, I I do know the number on this simply because it uh, it came up in John's. Uh, and we're going to talk about John in the resource of the week. We're leading to that. So they bought uh, fast tracks for uh, thirteen mil. Yeah, thirteen million euro. Yeah. Um, uh, so uh, significant dollars here. Um, yeah, uh, Ublocks is a is a Swiss company, um, and uh, fast tracks uh, is a company based in uh, in Finland. And um, you know, the, you know, very technical uh, play here. Uh, you know, as you said, Ublox is a uh, is a semiconductor uh, company that's focused on on uh, positioning and wireless uh, uh, chipsets uh, around that, and you know, vehicles, uh, machines, you know, uh, locating positioning of of, of of those types of things, um, and uh, you know, from a chip perspective. And then uh, you've got Fast Tracks, which is a company that develops. Uh, software uh, and, and receivers uh, for uh, GNSS uh, solutions, which is Global Navigation Satellite System stuff. So, you know, obviously a company that, uh, you know, has been at it for a while. Fast Tracks is a 12-year-old company, a uh, very successful company, according to, uh, to, to what I've been able to, uh, to, to gather around these guys. And uh, so, it, look, it, I mean, it just, you know, I'm not in that world of hardware and, and, uh, and, and, and GPS uh, 
navigation systems and semiconductors, um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. But you know, it seems like a good fit between these two companies. Um, and uh, you know, thirteen million euros is nothing to sneeze at. No. No, and see if the only thing I can contribute to this hardware stuff, uh, you know, I've been very frank about my distaste for hardware uh, completely. Um, yeah, you know, it's not it's not a uh, out of ignorance. It's just that I believe that all the excitement right now is happening on the software layer. Again, it's going to shift back to the hardware layer at some point, but uh, let software have its day. So I, I can't really contribute to this conversation, nor nor will I will I attempt. I will say that I found out about this article. I read about this story again at gpsbusinessnews.com. Right? There it is. Absolutely. Uh, there you go. Love them. So that's good. So 13 million euro. 13 million euros. U-Box acquires uh, Fast Tracks, their competitor. And that's it. So if we didn't cover your story, man, I'd be sad right now. I would be so sad right now because you have an opportunity to put your story somewhere in there. If you are a fourth story, but you submit it to us, we will we will put it in there. So reach out on tether at gmail.com or seif at the lbma.com. Your story's not there. It's your damn fault. Reach out. Let us know, please. We want to spread the wealth. We don't care how big the deal is, how small the deal is. We don't care if this is a small acquisition, a merger of equals. If you guys out there, our listening community, are doing it, we want to be able to help spread the word. So please, bring it. Bring it. Got one last thing to do with Steve, and then we can let you go and enjoy your 26 degrees and sunny at in Singapore. Is it, is it still raining there? Uh, the rain has stopped. It's, it's overcast, um, but uh, I'll, I'll deal with that. Yeah, you'll deal with that. 26 degrees and... Yeah. I saw some snow today where I am, so not happy with you, not happy with the snow. Our resource of the week, this is cool. So we try to bring you these deals, these acquisitions that happen, these fundings that happen, as we just did through this, uh, through our funding and acquisition se uh, section. But uh, this guy, John Spiney, I'm going to totally butcher his name, but John Spiney has this great little uh, spreadsheet that he keeps, and he's uh, opened it up as a Google Doc. This is pretty cool, I see. This is this is good. Yeah, I really like it. It's uh, so it's John uh, Spiney's location technology M and A tracker, uh, Google Doc uh, that he's a little spreadsheet he's put together, and he's basically you know just tracking all the uh, acquisitions and deals and the dollar amounts, and uh, you know you know got it all there. I like it. It's I mean um, you know it's a hard thing to keep up to date, but uh, at least if you're looking for a starting point on you know, valuations for your business or, or trying to figure out what's gone on, uh, you know, in the industry over the last little while, uh, here's, here's a great starting point. So, so I really like this resource. Yeah. And as I'm going through it, you, you, you can, uh, you can totally see, uh, there's, uh, um, Schneider electric, but Telvent for $1.4 billion. Like there's some big deals yep. in here. Digital globe, GOI. So the, some of these are, uh, you know, we've talked about, you know, Isle uh, 411, and we've talked about Cisco and Esri buying Geoloki and, and uh, Telnav buying ThinkNear, $22.5 million. So this is this is a great little resource. I like this. But who is John Spiney, and why have we not uh, had him on the show or talked to him? We're going to get him on the show. Yeah. yeah. John, if you listen to us, buddy, come on. We're all in this business together. If you're interested in John Spiney, I'll throw it up here, johnspiney.com, J-O-N-S-P-I-N-N-E-Y.com. And if it is John Spinney, uh, which I don't think it is, but it may be, uh, my apologies. Uh, so uh, John, uh, johnspiney.com, J-O-N-S-P-I-N-N-E-Y.com. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate this. It makes our job a lot easier bringing you guys the latest activity. We shouldn't have told anybody about this. <laughs> see no you know what the, the whole the whole point of this show rob is to uh, is to get the word out about great stuff that's going on uh so uh i just uh you know uh, the only thing i know about john is is i, I think he's based out of denver uh, area and um yeah and that's what he looks uh, like right there in the top to corner the yeah there you go please john we'd love to uh we'll reach out to john and see if we can get him on the show as a guest and uh maybe he can be our uh you know our investor anal uh, you know and an, you know analyst when it comes to what's going on in this in this community all right so that's it we have nothing left we have nothing left world record time um asif so you tonight are doing your launch then you're heading out to london we will be uh in you'll probably be in london for episode number 103 is that right most likely okay. yeah uh we'll probably uh record it uh, right when i get there so uh, yeah 
Yeah, we, so uh, next week, uh, episode number 103, we'll bring you the uh, summary of what happened in the, uh, the Singapore uh, branch launch of uh, uh, the Location-Based Marketing Association. And um, we will be talking about what he's going to be doing in London. And then he's racing back to Toronto to speak at a keynote. This, uh, yeah. All this just to promote this great industry. So here's what I'd like you to do. CIF is going around the world to talk about this industry, to promote it, to make sure that everybody understands it, to, to put, this is, this is a lot of goodwill that Asif is doing. So send him an email saying, Asif, hey, man, we appreciate it because we really do. Asif at the LBMA.com. He's sitting there waiting right now for your email. So start sending it this moment <laughs> or send him a text yeah. message. Uh, it, it's it's like it's like the telethon, you know. I'm here. I'm here waiting for your call right now. Exactly. Um, anyhow, uh, yeah. But I couldn't do it without my uh, my colleague in crime, Rob. Here, so uh, thanks for your support too, and thanks to all the uh, the viewers and listeners out there. Uh, we we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to this uh, or watch this every week. And again, uh, we're we're always open to sponsors too. So uh, if if you'd love to uh, get your brand across and. Uh, use this as a platform to do so uh, we're open to that so uh, send us a note about those kinds of things too. absolutely so we'll be back with episode number 103 with some great stories some great guests some great insight and Asif from London in the UK so until then have a great week Asif have an incredible uh, launch of, uh, of your Singapore office for this for the uh, location-based marketing association and we will talk to you next week see you, everybody cheers <laughs>